Well, what do you believe about hell? What does the Bible say about hell? If the doctrine of hell is causing you to doubt your Christian faith, this episode is for you. Bobby will address some misconceptions about hell. So let's dive into this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Hello, thinking Christians. Welcome to the Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Last week on the show, we talked about misconceptions of heaven. And if you missed that episode, you can listen to it on our website, oneminuteapologist.com, and click on podcast, or you can head on over to our YouTube channel and find the Unapologetic playlist. While you're there, please like this video, subscribe to our channel, and share it with your network. And it's a great way to support the show and completely free of charge. Bobby, let's let's dive in. What what would you say to somebody if they were struggling with the idea of hell so much so that it's causing them to walk away from their Christian faith? The first half of your question, Tim, I would say uh, we should struggle with the concept of hell in that it should disturb us. It should bother us. Uh, it should be hard for us to realize it should motivate us toward, uh, you know, sharing the gospel. Uh, the second half, uh, is when our concern for, uh, hell then causes us to want to find another worldview option. Mm. And that becomes, um, problematic. Now, um, as Christians, I think that it's difficult when we talk about hell because we have to scrub away some of the caricatures that are associated with hell. Um, for example, um, a lot of times we just picture Satan in a pitchfork running around in his red suit looking like the lead singer of Kiss. Uh, and so uh, we end up getting these pictures uh that, that come up and we end up thinking of it in terms that cause us to feel extra angst. So for example, um, we struggle because we think that hell is a one size fits all experience for non-believers, but that's not the case. It's not like Hitler um, is experiencing the same kind of hell as somebody who is um, 25 years old, didn't like God, uh, wasn't interested in the gospel, lived their own life, but they didn't harm others in the way Hitler did. Uh, there is, um, you know, just punishment for those who reject God and call it the shallow end of the lake of fire and the deep end. And then yet that brings up the term like lake of fire. Um, you know, I think that these are metaphorical terms describing a real place. So hell is an eternal separation, but I don't think you're sitting in a hot stove uh, burning uh, in fire like a rotisserie chicken throughout eternity. Uh, but I think that the hell is that you are absent from the presence of God, and we can talk more about that. So I would say when people walk away, Tim, it's because of ideas like feeling like a rotisserie chicken. Mm. It's some of the caricatures they can't get away from. Um, it's also a failure to understand God's justice. So people struggle with that and they go, okay, well, you can ask if you're going to walk away from Christianity, 
Um, you know, so for example, if you're talking to an atheist and they might say and try to bait you in, hey, we don't believe in hell, come on over here. Yeah, but you also don't have ultimate justice either. So uh, now Mussolini, Mao Zedong, Hitler, Pol Pot, uh, people of that ilk, uh, you know, they get they just do what they do and they get away with it. Well, uh, God is a just God. So we often struggle with hell the most when we f- when it, we often struggle with hell the most when we struggle with justice and then we struggle with justice when we fail to understand God's holiness in light of our sinfulness so the 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 process of learning to be okay is to walk out of um, this idea of hell by looking at God being just. And then if you struggle with justice, then look at God's holiness. And then if you're struggling with God's holiness, think about our sinfulness. And then we can realize from there that, okay, is God good? Is he trustworthy? Is he loving? And then that can help us to begin to digest this concept of hell. Something that Tim, yes, we should struggle with, but we shouldn't struggle with it to the point where we struggle with God. Right, right. I think that's exactly right. You know, and even uh, in my dealing with deconstruction community, this is an issue, as we just talked about, for uh, some people. They, this is, uh, you know, kind of an impetus for some people to start questioning or doubting their faith. And it, when you really submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to the authority of Scripture, you really can't necessarily get away from some of these ideas. And so I think that's why it's important for us to discuss now some of the arguments uh, for the existence of a place like hell, of, of this eternal separation for those that have uh, that don't believe, that aren't saved by grace through faith. So wh- where would you go or what were some of the, the biblical arguments that you would start with just to kind of support this idea? Uh, hell is a place uh, where people go uh, to experience what they ultimately want. That's life without God, hmm. uh, right? So, I mean, what is heaven? So, like, when we think about people who go to hell, these are non-believers that don't want God in their life. They don't want to be in the presence of God. They don't want to be in the presence of believers. Uh, They don't want to live according to God's moral values. They reject God's moral standards. So, when you think about um, what that would mean for these people is if we don't want to live a little bit in the presence of God here on earth or a little bit around the people of God here on earth, or we don't want to embrace a little bit of God's moral law here on earth. Why would we want to embrace all of it in heaven? Why would we want to embrace all of God in heaven, all of God's people, uh, all of God's moral law? So uh, in other words, these people then are getting what they want. They don't want the moral law guiding their life. They don't want to be around the people of God. They don't want to be in the presence of God. They fundamentally reject that. So when people say, oh, I want to go to heaven, well, what do you mean by that? Why do you, why do you want to go to heaven? Um, because uh, that's going to be a place of moral perfection. And uh, You don't want to follow moral values now on earth. Why would you want to have to follow them perfectly throughout eternity? You don't want to be in the presence of God now. Why would you want that for eternity? Okay, so uh, so this is sort of our rehearsal for heaven. Now, uh, it's a place that people go that don't want to be with God. And so there's. Uh, options with God or without God. Hell's the place without God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place where God's justice is experienced. Um, we have our own justice system here on earth where we can recognize uh, that there is wrongs that need to be um, 
you know, brought to account. Well, so too. Um, <clears throat> people reject God. They reject his ways. They, they cause pain to people throughout their life, and God will justly hold them accountable in the same way that people are held accountable on earth. Only God will do so even more justly because he's just. So heaven then, or so hell, uh, is a place for people who don't want to be with God, are without God uh, in the relationship of him. It's a place where they experience the justice of God. It's a place where they're left to themselves. Hmm. So are there some, you know, scriptural texts that you would go to, to, you know, kind of draw that out or support some of that from, from the Bible? Well, I would definitely say in the gospels, Jesus spoke about hell more than he did uh, heaven. I mean, you can go into the Olivet Discourse and you can think about him talking about how, you know, that the sheep and the goats are going to be separated from each other. And uh, you can think about in the book of Revelation, uh, where we see that they're going to go into an eternal uh, separation and experience where they're going to be put in eternal lake of fire, so to speak, uh, at the end of the age. Um, and that's, that's horrific uh, when you think about that experience right there. That's a lot of the moral motivation for us. We don't want people to, to go there, right? Uh, we want them to ultimately love God, though. Otherwise, they're not going to be interested in that. One of the things that people struggle with, Tim, is, for example, in the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. where we learn about the eternal lake of fire when you're there in Revelation chapter 19, and, and then you kind of see the new heavens and new earth in chapter 21, people struggle with the duration. And so to your first question, to somebody who says, oh man, I just can't believe that God would um, allow people to experience eternal hell for finite sins, that punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime. Well, as William Lane Craig says, um, you know, the reason that the hell goes on forever is because the sinning goes on forever. Uh, the person continues to exist in hell. And I would even say, boy, uh, if, if you're sinning on earth now, uh, you will sin much more in hell. Now, that's not to say you're going to enjoy your sin. Like on earth, you might be able to enjoy the sin on earth. But imagine in hell, not even be able to enjoy the things you once did on earth called sin. Yeah. Uh, but but will people hate God and, and, and be filled with bitterness and anger forever and ever? Yes. And so the reason that hell goes on forever is the sinning goes on forever. And then the reason the sinning goes on forever is because the sinner goes on forever uh, because their soul was created to live forever. Now, some are annihilationists or conditional uh, immortality, they talk about, and they believe that they're going to, you know, cease to exist. So those people would say, uh, you know, that you, you experience God's punishment, uh, but that punishment is to uh, you address your sins as it related to your temporal existence. Mm. And once that has been satisfied by God's justice, you know, like an ice cube that melts, you go out of existence. Um, So uh, there are some scholars that would make a biblical case for that. Um, I'm not an annihilationist, but I would say, hey, um, I would rather somebody, instead of walking away from the faith on account of not being able to digest the thought of an eternal separation from God, I would say, well, then there's 
you know, cases that have been made biblically uh, for annihilationism. I'd rather you hold on to your faith with Jesus and be an annihilationist than walk away from Jesus altogether. So these are sort of options when it comes to discussions with people where we hold fast to our way, but sometimes yeah. people tend to demand that people, no, you have to stay a young earther or become right. an apostate altogether. Right. No, I'd right. say, hey, consider being an old earther uh, before uh, you walking away from your faith altogether. That just seems like wisdom. Yeah, no, I think that, that that's an excellent point. I want to draw out something that you said uh, a little bit ago um, with the nature of what heaven is, and that's to be with God forever. I was watching an atheist experience show. This is Matt Dillahunty's show for people that are familiar uh, with Matt Dillahunty. And somebody called up and they were talking to these two atheists, and one of them said, well, I don't want to go to hell, so... I shouldn't have to go, basically, because she was saying, if you don't want to go there, then, you know, accept Jesus and go to heaven. But his thing was like, well, no, I don't want to accept Jesus. I just don't want to go to hell. And I think your point is, I just want to highlight it and saying, heaven is being with God. So if you don't want to be with God, the alternative, it's 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 binary in that sense. There's no middle ground. I think that that's a really strong point because atheists are going to say, well, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to experience the stuff described in the Bible um, about hell. It's like, okay, then do you want to spend eternity with God? And they're like, well, no. It's like, okay, but there isn't a third option. So I'm not really sure what you're going to do with that right there. Yeah. And people don't realize, Tim, that on earth, we're experiencing God's general grace Mm -hmm. uh, and the non-believers are experiencing it. And so they don't realize that even the aspects that allow them to enjoy life are the uh, is because of God's general grace. So um, the very fact that they can experience some level of contentedness at times, or some forms of peace, or some aspects of love, or some moments of joy, or certain aspects of fulfillment. Um, these are features that will be totally absent in hell. Hell will be bereft of those features. Uh, this is part of God's general grace. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people think that those features are their, the result of their own doing. They look at their actions and think, oh, the reason I have some level of peace or some level of contentedness or some level of fulfillment, it's because of I have done action X and action C and action B, and that's resulted in this. Well, that's just not um, uh, the case. God is allowing people to experience some level of uh, of happiness, but we need to realize that he also allows us to experience our own brokenness so that we can turn to him. All we'll have is our own brokenness in hell. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, so you, you had mentioned that, you know, Jesus himself talks uh, more about hell than heaven. So talk to us a little bit about what the Jews before Jesus believed about a place of eternal torment. What what was their perspective kind of coming into the revelation or the incarnation of Jesus? Yeah, it, it's, it's a bit mysterious. Uh, it's not as, as clear as we might like. Uh, what is clear is that they believed uh, in a place called Sheol, uh, which is basically where departed souls would go. Uh, and they believed in a future resurrection as well, and still do, uh, you know, the Orthodox Jews, where the body and the soul would be paired once again. Um, so there, there was that belief, um, but as 
a belief that seemed to be something of a hope for uh, Yahweh's who believed in Yahweh. Uh, but then what about those who didn't believe, so to speak? Um, there's not as much for us to understand uh, in the way that we do uh, when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts with progressive revelation, highlighting more of that experience uh, of what it means to be separated with God, but also what it means to have uh, heaven with God. So, you know, you asked earlier, you know, about hell. Well, in heaven, you know, Jesus says, you know, in my father's house are many rooms. I go and prepare a place for you. Right. And so we see that in John 14 verses one to three. Uh, but Jesus uh, was what uh, was talking about it more. But even John the Baptist, though, kind of the last prophet under the old covenant, you know, he would say things like, uh, you know, in Matthew 3, the axe is already at the root of the trees, right? And so he seems to have some hellish idea that's mm. been further developed uh, where he's using hellfire language, cut off language. Um, and again, I could see that being metaphorical, but it does seem to be a place of punishment awaits the non-believer. Um, so I would say, if we feel at a loss to really have a clear understanding of heaven and hell, as I do, I mean, we've got a little bit of data. We have more in the New Testament than they did, uh, but it would have been far more ambiguous uh, to them uh, to try to understand this, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that that leads to maybe another question about you know God's love. We, we find um, you know descriptions of God's love in Scripture. So how can a God that is is love that He is love, which means that He's you know always hoping and He's always patient and He keeps no records of wrong. How can the same God uh, seem like He loses patience and loses hope and and does keep a record of wrong by uh, having people? In hell. So, how would you address that? Well, I mean, how could a God of love bring a flood that destroyed everybody except eight people? Mm -hmm. Right. So, as Christians, uh, you know, and you know, I think about it like you know, we go decorate our kids' rooms with Noah's Ark, which is basically, uh, you know, we a picture of total judgment on the on the, on the world right? Only eight people survive. Look at our child in the crib in, in this place of God's picture of greatest judgment on the ark while, Pete, while they were the only ones, you know, escaping. Uh, and I think about that. And I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because it's like, that's what we had Dawson's room as a toddler. Yeah. And I would later think, what was I thinking? Decorating his room with the, with the ark. And we go, oh, how cute, right? Yeah. Well, how could God be loving in that? How could God be loving in any of his judgments? Well, because we believe that there were um, actions that God was uh, warranted to judge. So what you always see in scripture, Tim, is God is a warning God. Right, he's warning. He's warning. He's warning. Even in the Garden of Eden, right? Uh, do not eat it of this tree. Right, the warning, then the rejection, uh, but then the grace after the warning, and then the rejection. And it's like it's the constant story of God sending prophets to warn people about coming judgment. They reject him. They go into judgment. God gives them another shot. Uh, he he he. he 
basically warns them, uh, you know, over and over again. Jesus comes on the scene. They reject him. Uh, it's just constant rejecting God, his prophets, his ways. Well, then finally, hell's just going to be a place where God's going to say, look, you've had so many warnings, right? I mean, we have the moral law written on our heart. We have natural revelation so that no one's going to be without excuse. Then we have the, the, the law, the prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, God parts the Red Sea for crying out loud. They go into the wilderness and they melt down uh, their gold and it's, you know, Mardi Gras, Mount Sinai. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 2.0, right? Um, it, it's, it's idolatry that's taking place there. So, our heart, what we're going to know uh, in heaven is that everybody ultimately just rejected God. No one's going to be without excuse. And so we can know that God has been patient. Mm. He has been loving. It's like with Abraham trying to negotiate with God to not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he got him all the way down just for the sake of five people. So we have to realize that God's not willing that any should perish, that he's long suffering, that will not the judge of the earth do what is right as Abraham and, and uh, discussed with uh, God when he heard that. And uh, Jesus himself came to die on a cross for sin so that we wouldn't have to. All of our iniquity placed on him, yet uh, we still reject him. So in the end, God will have done everything he can for us to freely place our faith and trust in him. What we will see is hell is for occupants who didn't want anything to do with God, but everything to do with their own way. And that's what they'll get. Yeah. So we, we have a few remaining minutes here. I wanted to ask a question, particularly when it comes to evangelism. As we were going through the book of Revelation at Image Church, there was several weeks where there was, we were just talking about judgment and God's justice. And, uh, you know, some questions came up from the audience about how when they were little, they just feared hell so much that that kind of was the thing that pushed them into Christianity or pushed them into a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, there's kind of a, a running joke where people just call it fire insurance. So, uh, you know, my question to you here would be, you know, should the threat of hell be the sole reason that people accept Jesus? It certainly shouldn't be the sole reason, but I do think it's fair that 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 there's some level of healthy fear mm-hmm. about it. We sh- that 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 should be like like we don't like the idea of, of fear. Um, uh, but I'm not talking about just like fear for like just trying to freak people out for the sake of freaking people out. But uh, we should have a sense of like, man, I don't want to spend an eternity separated from God. Uh, the, like that, that, that should produce like, like in other words, even still, like we should as Christians, Tim, have a healthy sense of fear to not want to sin. Like I, you know, we shouldn't want to have an affair on our spouse because of the consequences that that would produce and the hearts that that would break. So, um, we should we should not we should have a fear of of, of sinning. So if we should have a fear of sinning, um, then we should also have a fear of the consequences that sin could produce. Yeah. And the ultimate consequence that sin would produce is an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Mm. So I'm just logically showing that 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 fear is not a bad thing, but it shouldn't be the sole driver. Ultimately, um, we should want to be in heaven. Like we, there's been an invitation given to us to say, Hey, um, heaven's going to be an eternal free vacation where we're going to have the finest foods, the best 
fellowship, uh, and we ne- we never have to see the vacation end with God who wants us there. That's paid for the vacation. It's fully paid for. And hell's this place to say, you know what? I don't trust that God knows how to put together a good vacation package for me, and I don't want a free vacation. Um, I think that I know what's best, and I want to do things my way. And the only thing that I could really say is, man, I wish there might be like, hey, wouldn't it be yeah, maybe there's a third option, another space, right? But there's not. There's there's with God or without God. Yeah. And 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 I think that what we're saying as Christians is we're we're saying we're letting you know the cost of rejecting Jesus. And 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 when you reject Jesus, okay, you're left to yourself. Well, what kind of moral decisions are you going to make in eternity? Well, without the general grace of God, you're not going to be concerned about morality. Yeah. And so you're going to be left to yourself. And so hell, we're painting a picture of this is the kind of place that it looks like when you leave God out of the picture completely. Mm. And what do you have? Hell. And we paint that picture. And hopefully that helps people to realize, oh, I don't want to go there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I would add on to that to say I didn't marry my wife because I just wanted to not be single. I married my wife because I loved my wife. Good statement. And, and so I think that, that that's a, a similar as kind of analogous thing is like I, I want to avoid hell, but I love Jesus more than I want to avoid hell. So, Bobby, thank you so much for your insight here. Uh, if you are our audience, uh, check this episode out and you're interested in listening to it again, you can find it on your favorite podcast player on our YouTube channel. And with that, we will see you next time on The Unapologetic Show. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.